for everything oh, for everything indie for everything cults it's the blue horseshoe now. now here's your host george bremer and ryan hickey and welcome into another edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. As always, Brian Hickey and George Bremer here with you. A loaded midweek pod. Why the hell not? We got a lot to talk about here, despite the fact that the Colts are giving you on the field at least, George. Not a lot to talk about for sure. We will discuss the starting quarterback for 2023. He's on the roster right now. We'll break that down here in a second as well. We talked a lot about George, head coach, quarterback. Obviously, the dream scenario for most Colts fans, I would say, is Jim Marlboro, head coach, Bryce Young at quarterback. If you only have one, though, if you can say one of them is guaranteed, would you rather have the head coach or the quarterback? Who would you rather, uh, rather have? We'll get into that as well. And Jim Mercy is doing a very interesting, very nice, we'll say, a uh, little bit for fans here where he is flying a few fans out and kind of having a New Year's Eve party in New York City and then having them go to the Giants game uh, the next day and they're flying him on his private jet. So if you were on that private jet and you got to talk to Jim Mercy for a few hours, what the hell would you ask him? We have a few questions. We'll get into that as well. So a loaded pot, as you can tell here. On the midweek edition on the Blue Horseshoe Pod, so let's dive into it. Uh, dive right into it, George. We are seeing the tryout. Basically, what has been the 2022 uh, season has turned into a quarterback tryout. We've had Matt Ryan, we've had Sam Ellinger, and we just are coming off of the Nick Foles uh, debut, which did not go very well whatsoever. Three turnovers, awful play. It was at seven sacks all the time. It was a very poor performance from Nick Foles for sure. So, kind of get you thinking because if you go back to the conversation we had with Eric at home about two or three weeks ago, if you missed that which is why you got to download and subscribe to the Blue Orchard Pod to catch up. We talked to draft analyst uh, Eric Edholm, just kind of, you know, get an overview of quarterbacks. And he mentioned basically outside of Bryce Young, there's no one really he sees right now in the first round that is a week one starter. So it kind of makes you think, George, okay, if let's say they don't draft Bryce Young, I mean, they do draft a quarterback even in the first round, most likely they will not start right away. Is this So if we at least look at it from just week one, week one right now next year, is this quarterback for the Colts on the roster? I don't right think now. so. I don't think so. I mean, at this point, I'm expecting Matt Ryan to to either retire uh, or to, you know, try to, to restart things somewhere else. I know he's under contract for another year here, uh, but I think the Colts, part of the whole reason Nick Foles is starting right now has to be that injury guarantee, uh, which means the Colts don't want that money, you know, on the books next year. Uh, you saw how quickly they moved on from Carson Wentz. I, I can't imagine that they're going to they're gonna be much more uh, lenient this year with that situation um, and Nick Foles, you know, I, I don't know what he could do in the last two games to kind of erase the sink of, of, of what happened on Monday night. Um, there's a lot stacked against him right now. I mean, obviously he didn't take any first team snaps until last week and you're working with a bunch of receivers who you haven't really been around. Uh, it's really training camp for him right now, as far as where he's at in terms of his relationship to these receivers, uh, you know, where you should be this late in the season, obviously nowhere close. Um, but even with that being said, he's under contract for another year. Uh, but I just don't see him being the guy that they turn to even for week one. Uh, and obviously with Sam Ellinger, I mean, if there was thought of him being the week one starter, I think he'd be out there on the field right now. I mean, you'd be trying to get him as much experience as you can. So I look at those three and I just don't think I've learned to never say never. If, if this year's taught me anything, it, it's that. Um, but I'd be surprised if, if any of the three guys who are currently on the roster are the starting quarterback, uh, you know, September of 2023. Ideal. Like if we're sitting here and talking about things in a perfect world, uh, well, first Jim Harbaugh and Bryce Young would be the head coach quarterback for sure in a perfect world. Right. But let's just say that uh, if we're talking about at least 
close to a perfect world than George. I would say Matt Ryan is the quarterback for week one next year. Because I just think more than anything else, his experience being in the league for so long, being able to kind of teach whatever young rookie the Colts are able to, to draft next year, I think that would, you know, do wonders. He's clearly out of the three quarters right now, the best, obviously the best of the three. Not, not saying a lot, but still, he's got that going for him in one of the worst quarterback rooms, maybe the worst quarterback room in the league. But I think that experience could just be so valuable to whoever they do end up drafting that. I think for me, that would be the – if you're the Colts and everything kind of breaks your way or you can kind of get what you want, I think that should be the plan for 2023. But now if you leave that perfect world, enter reality, and you're around this team like every day, George, in the locker room. Uh, Matt Ryan obviously took his benching for Sam Ellinger the first time. In you know He took it with grace. He was there. He was a very stand-up guy. He was a professional his teammates, when he was named the starting in for the Raiders, kind of talked about his professionalism. You know, he kind of backs him. Like there was no drama, no sulking. Do you think he would sign up? Because that's if Matt Ryan's back next year, he's signing up knowing for the most part they draft a guy. He'll start, but he's not going to probably finish the year. Would you think he signs up to be kind of, let's say, a placeholder for, I don't know, half the year, 10 games maybe? No, I just don't see it. I, mean, I think the reason he came here – and he was pretty open about it was to to try to get that that Super Bowl ring, you know, the missing piece of the puzzle for him. So I, I think if he does anything next year, it's going to be trying to find a spot where he maybe feels like that's an opportunity again. I don't know where that would be, uh, you know, right off the top of my head. I, I can't think of a, of a spot he could just walk into. I mean, it, we talked about a trade deadline. New Orleans still kind of sticks in my mind as, as, as a possibility. Uh, it's a team that might just be a quarterback away. So, uh, you know, maybe he wants to go there. Maybe the Colts can facilitate that with a trade. Maybe it's a release and he signs there. But I don't think that – I think he either retires or he's trying to play somewhere where he feels like he can, you know, take this team uh, all the way. Maybe if Jim Harbaugh is the head coach here, maybe he's convinced that that he can make another run at it here. Um, so that's the one possibility I could see him returning. But I don't think he would sign up with the idea of, hey, you're going you're gonna to hand this off in December – or late November, or you know, however that would work out. He's a professional. He's a guy who's done everything team oriented. I just don't know what's in it for him. I and mean, if, if that's the scenario, I think it's better for him to just go home and you know raise his, his twin boys and and move on to whatever's next for him. You know me. I've been someone who's defending Chris Ballard and thinks he should be brought back next year. But you talk about just a damning mark in your resume. Where we're talking about a placeholder, right? We're, we're, like we're not talking about a guy that gets you the playoffs or a guy that can be a positive franchise guy. For right now, how we're viewing this conversation is just a placeholder for 2023. And we are sitting here looking at all three quarterbacks in the roster saying we can't make a case for any of the three to just be a placeholder next year for what we presume to be a rookie quarterback for half the year or 10 games. That's pathetic. Like that is really pathetic. It does kind of give you, but you know, that that's this offense has wrought that. I mean, when you look at, at the numbers, and we were talking about the fourth quarter numbers the other day, but 30 turnovers is just Ugh. an unfathomable number. Somebody brought that up to Paris Campbell after the game in the locker room, and he didn't know. He was shocked that it was that high. I mean, he knew it was high, but you know, 30 is just off the charts. Um, the third down problems that they've had, you know, the fact that this team has twice not converted a third down in a game, and the rest of the league has done it twice combined. Um, the red zone issues that they've had. I mean, there's just so many situational football problems with this offense. It's it's broken in so many ways. Uh, and I think that's part of it too. Why would you want – these quarterbacks are a little bit scarred. Why would you want them uh, to come back with that PTSD and, and, and try to start anew next year? Let me ask you this question. Speaking of quarterbacks and PTSD and, and guys coming in with – yeah, just, this offense is broken for sure. We presume we think the right path for the Colts should be drafting a quarterback in the first round. 
It was announced earlier on Thursday or on Wednesday. My days are all confused. I'm sorry. It's one of those funky weeks that the days are all mismoshed together. So I apologize about that. But earlier on Wednesday, it came out that the Raiders are going to bench Derek Carr, presuming the last two games of the season, in part because he has a similar injury guarantee to Matt Ryan has. So they're the Raiders basically telling you, we want flexibility this offseason. And you would presume that's going to signal the end of Derek Carr's time with the Raiders. I, well, we got to ask, George, because at this point with the Colts, any kind of veteran quarterback on the market, they're going to be in the mix for. Is it worth it if you're Chris Ballard to take a flyer on a guy that you think probably will not go for his highest Carson Wentz did in terms of draft capital being, uh, what was that, a first and a third uh, two years ago? Would you take a flyer on a, a guy like Derek Carr? I think it'd be more worth it if he hits the market just flat out as a free agent if they just decide to release him. I don't think that will happen, but we've seen stranger things uh, than, than that occur. Um, I will say if, if you're doing that, I think you'd have to be paired with a later round guy. I mean, that would be one of those things. Like if you're taking a shot on him and hooker, kind of one of my favorite scenarios where, where you're grabbing him and he's injured and you're going to see if he can develop and, and you don't know, you know, when he'll get on the field or if there's a later round guy, like maybe Jake Hayner, somebody like that, 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 that you might want to take a look at. Uh, then I think Derek Carr comes into play. I don't feel like he's the right guy to bring in, though, if you're drafting a first-round quarterback. You know, I don't think – when we're talking about that placeholder kind of quarterback, I don't see him in that role. I don't think he's – I think it would be too costly uh, to bring him in for, for a role like that. Uh, but I will say this. I think Chris Ballard's had a lot of interest in him the last few off-seasons. Um, I think had he been actually available – I mean, there's always been – you know, it, it's kind of the annual thing with the Raiders, right? Will they keep Derek Carr? Will they not? Um, I think every year the Colts have sniffed around uh, and seen, you know, whether or not he would be available. So I think he's somebody who would be on the radar. But again, I, I think at this point, no quarterback move can be made in a vacuum. You know, everything's got to be in relation to what else you're doing. So if Derek Carr is the guy, uh, then I think you've got to you got to go look for more of a, you know, lottery pick type of lottery ticket type of quarterback in the draft. He's somebody later in the draft, what they've done in the past with Sam Ellinger or, you know, um, that, that kind of a pick where it's, it's not a guy that you're expecting to play right away. I don't see bringing Derek Carr in here and saying, Hey, you know, keep the seat warm for, for the new guy. So you put a poll out there on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey, number three at GM Bremer as well. Best guess, would you want Derek Carr? 55% right now, the voters say no. Uh, first of all, two things. One, I'm surprised is actually that tight. 55% saying no, 45% saying yes. I thought it'd be a lot dr more, dr you know, a wider gap with the majority favoring the nose. Uh, and I'm with the nose because at this point, like I said, I think we talked with the quarterback carousel at this point now for three or four years in a row. You're spinning your wheels endlessly. You're right now, you're batting one for three. Okay, Philip Rivers is a home run for what, you know, what you thought about him coming in. You got 11 wins, you made the playoffs. And again, arguably maybe should have beat the Bills in that wild card game. Let's say that's a home run, one for one. Well, you swung a miss on Carson Wentz. You, you, you failed miserably with Matt Ryan. So now you're one for three. Baseball, you're in the Hall of Fame. For, for this right now, for the Colts and their future, especially, you are going down the sewer. So at this point, I'm not taking another chance with a veteran quarterback. He's going to be 32. So realistically, he's young enough with now with how long quarterbacks play. With, his, with Derek Carr's injury history, he's only missed four games. And this is, you know, so in his long career, in his nine year career, so this guy's been very durable. And again, 32 is still the age where. You're still in your prime, and you see guys like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers playing well into their – well, for Tom Brady, going on his late 40s now, which is kind of crazy. But even Aaron Rodgers in the late 30s, you still have realistically, let's say, a five-year window of some high-level play, you would think, from Derek Carr. With that said, no.
I, I'm done, George. I'm on the I'm on the boat now. I just can't get off of. You have to get a quarterback in the draft. You have to try to take a stab at your next young franchise guy and build a, a roster around them. And also, too, like I don't think the Colts are a Derek Carr guy away from being, you know, a playoff contender and or you know, Super Bowl contender. So it's like if that's yeah. not going to really get you over the top, then what's the point? That's the best argument to me against it is the fact that I don't think you're going to bring him in here uh, and suddenly think about this team winning the AFC. Um, so at that point, you know, if you're going to have to bring him in and build around him and he's got, like you said, maybe a five or six year window, you know, you're going to use half of that up just just getting the team where you want it to be. Uh, and then you're going to be right back in the same boat a couple of years later uh, where you're just trying to go find another quarterback. So that to me is the biggest argument against doing a move like this. You know, you bring in the rookie quarterback, and, and that's the whole point. You bring in the rookie, you build around him. You know, this offense, like we talked about, this offense is is horribly broken, irreparably broken. I don't know if they're going to blow the whole thing up the way that, that I talk, but I think the offense, is it's going to happen. You know, the, the offense is definitely going to be almost a complete rebuild. You, you've got Michael Pittman. Uh, you've got Jonathan Taylor. You're probably going to choose between those two because you're not going to – I doubt you're going to extend both of them this offseason. So you're probably going to have to make a choice between the two of them. And after that, you know, the guys you drafted this year, I don't think anybody else should be completely untouchable. You know, if you can get something that's going to help you uh, rebuild this offense, I think everybody else should be on the table in doing that. If, if that means moving up to get Bryce Young, uh, you know, whatever whatever shape that takes, um, there are very touchables on the offensive side of the ball to me. Absolutely. And you're right. And I like that point. It's a great point, too, because like, if you bring Derek Carr in, and basically, you know, he's going to change what Matt Ryan couldn't and what Carson Wentz couldn't. It's a definition of insanity thinking that we're just a quarterback away. When you're right, you've seen holes in the offensive line. You know, Jonathan Taylor, I would say mostly on the offensive line's fault for his regression, but the fact is he regressed. And again, the, the receivers, while we lauded them, and I think rightfully so in one sense for, you know, playing better than expectations, especially for a lot of the young, unproven guys, it's still where they have to get, you have to get better. It's not like this, like this is a finished product, but this is one of the best wide receiver uh, rooms in the league. You still have work to do in that area as well in terms of development, in terms of bringing more talent. So you are right. Like this is, they are not a quarterback. Well, we've been saying that all season long. It's been pretty clear now, especially let's say the second half of the season. And now it's like, you're right. You bring Derek Carr. Well, next year's a wash no matter what, because again, there's just so much you have to rebuild and, whether it's with the offensive line, you, you completely overhaul. Whether it's a receiver trying to get more talent in there, it's just it's going to take time to get a, an actual roster around the uh, around the quarterback for it to succeed. And then also, you also got to line up with the defense right now that's playing really well. But in two or three years, that defense going to be playing at this championship level that they're playing at right now. I don't know. So if you're going to, you know, it's easier to have a guy maybe in the draft if you hit and hit big. You can have a guy erase that. Like we've seen Patrick Mahomes win all the time with the Chiefs, but that de- that Chiefs defense is not very good. But when you have that eraser, it makes things a lot better. Derek Carr is not that eraser. So, you know, even Derek Carr plays some, you know, top 12-ish, you know, quarterback play in the next few years, if that Colts defense aggresses, Derek Carr is not good enough to make up for that and, you know, win some of these games on, on his right arm alone. So, yeah, I'm with it. Like, there's no real point. I'm actually nervous when you said the Colts have shown interest the last few years and kind of sniffing around because that's the last thing this team needs, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I definitely there's there's some interest in the past few years, and, and there may be – this year, you know, I don't know. I mean, you've heard Jim Irsay already say he doesn't know what direction uh, they're going to go with the quarterback. So I, I'm not going to rule it out by, by any stretch of imagination. I just think you're spinning your wheels at that point. Um, you know, if you don't. But I also can see a situation where if you don't believe, if they feel the way that we do, that Bryce Young is the guy and nobody else is really, you know, a first-round worthy guy where you're picking, um, 
then maybe you do go that route, you know, just because you got, you got to start somebody, you know, and you, you gotta, I think one of the things about this franchise that that's different, I'm not sure right now that there's a stomach for, for a full rebuild. You know, when I talk about press that button, like my whole nuclear option idea, I don't know that Jim Ursay has a stomach for that right now. I think he's still interested in selling tickets. Part of that is, is selling hope. You know, the idea that you're trying to win this year. So draft first round quarterback, boom, that does it. The other way you do that is to bring in an established guy the way they have the last few years. So that's why I wouldn't totally rule out a Derek Carr acquisition. I don't think it should happen. I'm not advocating it. We just enumerated all the reasons why it's not a great idea, uh, but it's not something I could totally say is, is, is off the table. I'm just trying to think really quickly uh, to wrap this conversation up, George. I think trading for Derek Carr is probably the worst case scenario this year. Like, I think that's even worse if you don't draft a quarterback in the first round because I would agree. If you don't love someone, don't take them. Like, it's, I think they should. But if you just can't convince yourself, you have no conviction of anyone outside of one guy, or maybe even no no guys in the first round, don't do it. Like, I just, you don't take a guy to take a guy. But I think even worse than not drafting a guy in the first round, I think is, is training for Derek Carr because, again, it's kind of signaling the deficit of insanity, thinking, oh, we're, this is, we're going to get it right. This kind of guy to turn around. Derek Carr is not the guy to turn around. His cap pick is big. The trade conversation you think would be decent. Again, maybe not Wentz like with a first-round pick, but still decent draft capital that could be used on other areas to improve this team. I, if you're going to say go with a veteran placeholder next year, Jimmy G is a guy that I would look at and say, okay, I'd be more interested in him than Derek Carr. I mean, Mitch Trubisky maybe. Like I think I could go through the list of guys less talented than Derek Carr that I would sign up for. So you got that flexibility and they would cost less, both money-wise and acquisition-wise, compared to a guy with Derek Carr that, again, it's solid. He's a solid quarterback. He's not going to get you over the top. He's not going to make this team a division or, or a Super Bowl contender next year or even in the near future. I, I'm looking at it right now. That might be the worst-case scenario this offseason. Yeah, I mean, when you when you take the cap hit in and, and what it's going to take to get him in terms of money and, and draft capital, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I mean, uh, it's just it's not, it's not worth the juice, right? The squeeze there is not worth the juice. Right. Absolutely. That is for sure. All right, let's talk a little positive, George. Let's talk – you know, we kind of talked about the best-case scenario earlier – Head coach Jim Harbaugh, quarterback Bryce Young. If you can only get one, right? If I told you right now, you're guaranteed to get one. Your choice. Would you rather have the head coach or would you rather the quarterback? We'll discuss that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. Make sure you're downloading, subscribing, and liking the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you get your podcast to hear more riveting conversations like the one we're about to have, George. Not savvy, not cheesy, but I'm excited about this question. I think it's a, a fascinating one and it's a good debate as well. So, right now, that the, the presumed front runner, let's say, or maybe the guy that's cherished the most by Colts fans for head coach next year, Jim Harbaugh, right now currently uh, head coach of Michigan. Quarterback, I would say if you could give any Colts fans uh, their pick of the litter towards a quarterback in the draft, I would say the majority would lean towards right now Alabama's Bryce Young. If you could only get one, if I said it's guaranteed, George, you get John Harbaugh or uh, Jim Harbaugh, excuse me, or you get Bryce Young, which one would you rather have? Who would be your uh, who be your take there? It's, you know, I, I feel like it's so important to get both right. That's that's why it makes this hard uh, because I, I, I feel like we've seen Jacksonville to me is exhibit A of what happens. You get the right quarterback and the wrong head coach. Uh, but I do feel like I would have to still go with Bryce Young. I, college is a coach's game. We know that they're going to be the guy that's around for, for the long term. Your, your players are, are in and out, you know, very quickly there. And, and so um, colleges are run by the head coach, and and that's the most important thing probably on a college 
program here in the NFL, it's quarterbacks that, you know, you want to recruit free agents. You want to bring in whatever you want to do with your franchise. It, 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 it's all around your quarterback. And I think ultimately if you've got Bryce young, it's easier to go out and, and recruit a good head coach to come here and, and, and coach him than it is if, if you end up with Jim Harbaugh uh, to go and find him a quarterback of Bryce Young's caliber. So um, now if you told me that you'd get Jim Harbaugh this year and Caleb Williams next year, I might change my answer. <laughs> I actually would agree that I like that a lot. But if we have only just this year, coach of the quarterback, I would, I'm with, I would go Bryce Young. And I like the point you made as well. Like it's, there's a lot, it's a lot harder getting a franchise quarterback than is getting a good head coach. Not that there's a, a lot of great head coaches out there, but I think it's so much more difficult to kind of find that guy in the draft. When you need things to go away sometimes, just picking, you know, having a, maybe a team, having him fall to you, getting the right draft position, maybe having a team be willing to trade up with you if you're there, having to pan out. Like we, how many guys are, are, you know, highly rated coming out of college that just flop right in front of your face or guys that are under the radar, all of a sudden you draft, it's like, oh, wow, this guy's, you know, a can't miss guy. It's just, it's the quarterback. It's so fickle. It's so hard to actually find the guy that when you have it, it's like, this is great. That's why everyone's always climbing to get that top 10 guy. But even though everyone wants one, it's so hard to use, you know, there's what a handful of teams actually have one. So I would agree. I think it's a lot harder to get a, a great head coach, a great quarterback than a great head coach. But also too, I think it's a lot easier for a team to overcome bad coaching then it will be to overcome bad quarterback play. Like you look around like the league, like I would even argue, you know, Brandon, you look at go back to Monday night's game. Brandon so is not a head coach. I think he's a great head coach. He gets a lot of, I think sometimes unnecessary flack for being aggressive. Like I do like his aggressiveness. Now, sometimes it's a little over the top for sure, but just overall, like that team did not feel very sharp. Like that was a team playing for the playoffs and for three and a half quarters, you're kind of, you know, hanging around the Colts that have shown you no reason, you know, no signs of life, frankly. So, but you see Justin Herbert is good enough to where in the big moments this year, especially he's been able to kind of overcome that and kind of bail the Chargers out where you look at a team that we are very familiar with in the Titans. Look, Mike Vrabel's a great coach. I would argue top five, top three coach right now in the NFL. He's done a great job. But this is a guy where you see the Titans always have a ceiling on that in part because Ryan Tannehill is a quarterback and you can only go so far when your guy is middle tier, like, I don't know, 15-ish, let's just say, give or take, Ryan Tannehill is in the league. So you see, even when you have a great head coach, it's still tough to get over the top and outside of one player for in 2018, they've not won a playoff game. It's hard to do so when you don't have that guy at quarterback, even though you have a great head coach. So I'd argue that you could definitely win more and overcome bad coaching a lot more than you could overcome having a great head coach but having some bad quarterback play. That's interesting you mentioned Brandon Saley. We didn't really talk about it Monday night. Uh, you should go back and, and, and check that podcast as well, another After Dark a blue horse show after dark, probably the last Very one for a while. Dark. I mean, there'll, be a Thursday, <laughs> there'll be a Thursday night game next year, but I, I doubt there's very many more of those. So you want to go check that. That's a collector's item at this point. <laughs> uh, but you, you talk about Brandon Staley, probably the most aggressive guy in the NFL as far as going for it. And you see how conservative he was Monday night. What statement does that make about this yeah. Colts offense and, and, and how he feels? He kicked two field goals, George, two field goals. Which I gotta check it probably doubles what they had coming into the game. You're right. This guy never settles for field goals. That also is just that's the only thing I would say. We can have a whole pod just that how damning right that his conservative nature was for the state of this team. But it also goes to show you, like you could be, you could play it safe, you could play it close to the best, you could even play games reckless. And it's like we you, even so with Angel Luck earlier on in Frank Reich's tenure, even some parts of Chuck Pagano's tenure, where it's like you can make bad decisions as a head coach, you can kind of get in the way when you have that guy at quarterback. Again, we, 
the eraser is a term I've been using a lot in this podcast to kind of call those franchise guys because it's what that's it's true. You yeah. could erase bad play in the defense, bad coaching as well, a bad decision, a bad break that goes your way. You will have guys that overcome that we saw Andrew. I mean, look at Andrew Luck's first year, his rookie year. That, that roster was god awful. He said, "Ah, it doesn't matter. Put on my back. Go eleven five. Go to the playoffs first year. No big deal." So those guys are just so hard to get. If you get them, they could truly take your team a lot and take your franchise a lot further than have a great head coach but no quarterback. I mean, look at Sean McVay. I know the Rams have been banged up this year for sure, and it's not just quarterback. But I mean, Sean McVay is again another guy that's a top five head coach. They just won a Super Bowl. And injuries for sure, but also, you know, the quarterback play has not been great. Matthew Stafford's banged up. And you see, they, they can't, you know, win many games. Now, Baker Mayfield's having a little bit of life, but it's like this team is picking the top five or their draft pick is in the top five. It's going go to uh, go to Detroit. But that's another guy that can't overcome bad quarterback play, even for a guy that's as great as Sean Bank. You know, I, I tell you, Kyle Shanahan might be the one guy you can make a case for. You know, the, what he's done out there in San Francisco and, and now Brock Purdy is is out there winning games with him. He might be the one head coach I would take uh, and, and and not worry about the quarterback. He might be the one guy I would choose over Bryce Young. Like if you're talking about, um, you know, any head coach in the league or Bryce Young, Kyle Shanahan might be the one of the 32 that I would say, OK, I'll take him because I feel like he'd go out and win with Nick Foles on, on Sunday. <laughs> You might be right. I mean, look what he's doing with Brock Purdy. Hell, you're, you're probably right. Nick Foles all of a sudden look like, you know, 2017 uh, playoffs, Nick Foles all over again. But I think it's a, a good point, too, because like, it also goes to show you, right, when you don't have that franchise guy, you need to have, like, you can win one or two. I think you can try to win the elite quarterback. But also we've seen, it's not like every team that wins the Super Bowl is just an elite guy. Like, we saw the 49ers Jimmy G go to the Super Bowl a few years ago, and this past year they're in the NFC title game again with Jimmy G, who's, again, an average quarterback. But you see that 49ers roster, how loaded it is at every position outside of quarterback. Running back, offensive line, receiver slash tight end. Defense is loaded out the wazoo in all three levels. Like the Colts, to their credit, tried to mimic that. I'll say last year even when they tried to minimize Carson Wentz's role, John Taylor had you know a career year, was the leading rusher, was tremendous. But also you see how it's so hard to win without a quarterback. That right, Kyle Shanahan's doing a great job. But it, not taking away from him, but it also helps when you have an elite roster everywhere else. Mm-hmm. If the Colts want to win that way, let's say if you're someone who says, I'd rather have Jim Harbaugh than Bryce Young. Well, then the way you're going to have to win with Jim Harbaugh is, is that if you assume you don't really get a franchise guy, you're going to have to build a roster similar to San Francisco where it's going to have to be a top three roster. You're going to have to be loaded everywhere. It's going to take years to build. Again, San Francisco was terrible for you know a few years. You had Chip Kelly in there. You had, you had Tom Sula in there. It was it was ugly. It was bad. But all those top picks, their credit, they hit on. You know, you get guys like Nick Bosa, and you see like how, how elite they are at drafting. And now all of a sudden that roster took five years to build. But now it's so deep, like it's so hard to do. They're doing it to their credit, but there's also a reason why they're really the only team that could yeah. win the third string quarterback. It's absolute Kyle Shannon for sure, but also as a credit to the rest of the roster, where it just again, it's easier to win when you have a quarterback because it makes up for more deficiencies rather than having every other part of your team be elite to make up for that deficiency of quarterback. Yeah, if you don't have the quarterback, you got to get everything else perfect. You know, everything else has to go completely right. There's, there's no. There's no other weakness anywhere, and I think you know they they they're in such a good situation. They can do things like trade up for Trey Lance, and and maybe it doesn't work out and it doesn't kill them. And they can make big trades for Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that's how good that roster is right now. Um, they're to me, they're the model franchise. I know they haven't won the Super Bowl right now, uh, but if they ever land that franchise quarterback, look out. Oh, that right. If Trey Lance actually develops to be the guy, like this could be. I know it's kind of crazy, but this could be like a, a Patriots level dynasty in terms of just like 
maybe not the, the Super Bowls, but just like always being in the mix every single year and, you know, on the short list every year of teams to be in the NFC. You're right. That's, that's to their credit. They built, it's not like the Rams were just a, a very short term. Hey, we're going to try to be great in this next three or four year window is winning, win as many Labars as we can. They are built for sustained success, which is like I said, that's, I think that's Chris Ballard's idea, right? Like that's something where if you said, Hey, what kind of team would you want to have? I bet you you say one of the first things you point to is I want to have a team like San Francisco. And again, I think that's like the, like it helps when everyone on your team or every part of your team is elite, but also takes a lot of losing. It takes a lot of hitting on your draft picks. And like I said, also kind of luck to break your way. It also requires a great head coach. And it's just, it's just a lot to ask and a lot of things to go right. Where again, it's kind of like take the shortcut or, or the road, more traveled. So the road less traveled would be the 49ers. So the more road, the road more traveled, just getting the franchise guy, getting the Bryce, if he, again, is able to blossom the way we think he can, you know, we could talk about this team for the Colts that could turn things around quicker and faster with him as a quarterback than maybe, let's say, with Jim Harbaugh, if he came in without that Bryce Young kind of guy and have a long, longer sustained uh, run of hopefully being a Super Bowl contender. We have a lot of different conversations next December if Bryce Young's the, the starting quarterback. I guarantee that. That this would be a lot more fun of a pod, that's for sure. Not that it's not fun now, but again, tired. Talking about losing George, it's tiring. Again, talking about all season topics while the season's still going on, it's tiring. So yes, at least we'd have even maybe the, the record's not too much different. At least Bryce starting to bring some sort of excitement, some sort of uh, you know, uh, positive energy that right now the Colts hoping to get, but right now obviously do not have. So right now, if you're a listener, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You could tweet us at you know at GM Bremer or tweet me at Ryan Hickey number three or hey. Leave a review and in the comment section, maybe answer our question. Who would you rather have? You could have only one. Jim Harbaugh, the head coach. Bryce on the quarterback. What would your answer be? Love to hear your thoughts and kind of your uh, your analysis on that. When we do return here to wrap up the Blue Horseshoe podcast, Jim Irsay is doing something nice for the fans. Where he's flying them out on his private jet. So if you want to do your own video, I'm sure this is the time to do it, by the way, George. That's what I would do. My first question is, I'll blow, already blow through the segment. I'll say this. If I have one question for Jim Irsay, can I do another plain video the one you do? Please get the engines blaring and stuff like that. But you get a ride on his private jet to New York City, have a New Year's Eve uh, party, go to the Giants game the next day. And so you'll be on a plane, presumably with Jim Irsay, for a few hours. What would you ask Jim? We have our questions, and we'll get to that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. Make sure you are downloading, subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod, and maybe answer some of our questions too in the comment section or the review section, I guess, where you can write your answers. We're asking you, would you rather have Jim Harbaugh or Bryce Young if you don't have one? And if you are lucky enough, a lucky enough fan, to be on Jim Irsay's private jet this weekend, going to New York City, seeing the ball drop, I guess, or presumably at least having a New Year's Eve party, then going to the Giants game the next day, watch a Giants Colts, and you're on a private jet with Jim Mercy for a few hours. What would you ask him? I got a few questions, George, but since you're the professional, you're the one who gets you know paid to actually ask the hard-hitting questions. I'll let you go first. The floor is yours, sir. Is there any one pressing question that you would have uh, want to ask Jim Mercy uh, moving forward here? First of all, I just want to point out that there's an NFL owner who right now is offering a, a, a contest, and the prize is to come to your hometown and watch a football game. And when these fans that win this prize get there, you'll be on the other side of the country. So That's I just, true. that, that to me is a little ironic, but beyond that, um, I think my, my first question, I will ask him, you know, when I get a chance, what is it about Jeff Saturday that makes him a great candidate? What is he seeing that the rest of us are not? Yeah, that's, I mean, I'd love, that's a great call. Because it's like, again, even here, going into Monday's game in ESPN, he says, he's a, I think the words were competitive candidate, quote unquote. 
what are we talking? Like, is he, is he living in, in the Raiders game still? Is he still watching that on replay instead of watching the other five games he's coached? Maybe, maybe that, maybe that's why George he's, he's competitive because he came in there and out coached Josh McDaniels. Although knowing Jim Mercer and someone who's you know uh, loves his team as a fan, maybe that's that win was all he needed to kind of stick it to Jim uh, to Josh McDaniels. And maybe now that's that's why Jeff Saturday sitting there at number one. I'd love to know if I got to ask him like, what do you think, Jim? The reason for this failed season is because I'm not sure if Jim really understands like what is going on here. Like I said, even with his comments of uh, going back to before Monday's game, he's on ESPN. He basically said, I don't know the direction we're going to go at quarterback. We just kind of talked about before um, you start the show, talking about you know the future of this team is the quarterback for 2023 on this roster right now. And then we talked about Derek Carr and his, you know, should they trade for him? Like there's no, there's, there's no quarterback out there that is truly going to turn this team around. Um, that's also realistic. So it's like, again, there's not a lot of options for you to really think or consider a, a veteran quarterback and going down that route again. It's obvious. Like the, the, the answer is quarterback in the draft, but here he is. I don't know if he's trying to play, you know, playing cards and trying to, you know, play other owners and not really know what he's thinking. I don't know if he's trying to, you know, not reveal his hand too early. I have no idea. Jim Mercer is someone to me. I take to be more honest than anything else. I don't think he's very calculated. I think he's just more just kind of tells you what's on his mind. And so I think when he says that, I think he's more being truthful than anything else. And I just don't know what he thinks the issues with his team are. Do you think you're going to go in the veteran market and then consider a guy, let's say, uh, of Derek Carr's, you know, talent level, someone in that kind of pool? Well, you think that this team is not as bad as they, they are, or this team is just a quarterback away, which is absolutely not the case. So I would love to know, get in Jim's mind here and actually get his analysis of what he thinks the issue is for this team right now that's sitting there at 4 10 and 1. And if, uh, yeah, I'd love to know because I'm afraid of the answer, to be honest. I am. I mean, looking at, at some of the things that he said, you know, Chris Bowers going to be back as the GM. And uh, I think he's putting a lot of it on Frank Reich. And I think he's putting too much of it on Frank Reich. I'm not saying Frank Reich did a great job this year. I'm not saying he wasn't part of the issue. And I'm not saying that he should have been back next year. But I'm saying I think Jim Irsay is looking at it uh, and he's weighing too much on the head coach. And I just feel like that's, that's part of the issue right now that, you know, the way that you put all of the statements together, it just feels like he feels like this roster in general is close, is, is closer to where he wants it to be. Uh, and that, you know, if you are considering bringing in a veteran, if that is on the table, um, then, you know, that's obviously that that's your thought process. And I, I'm hundred percent with you. I, I think that's the wrong idea. Now, if he is keeping his, cards close to the vest then good on him that right now the worst thing the Colts could do is come out and say they're they're definitely going to draft a quarterback uh while you're what fifth right now so you know and I think when we talk about the Derek Carr move earlier today I think the 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 underlying thing about that the most important thing about that from a Colts standpoint is that the Raiders are now a threat to trade up ahead of you you know I, that's kind of one of the things I've been looking that. at is you know who goes to two or three assuming Houston keeps that number one pick you know, who goes to two and three and tries to get whoever it is, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, whatever, you know, that, that next half the board is. Bryce Young, if he s does slip past Houston. Um, I think the Raiders are high on that list now of possibilities. Um, they're, they're probably also high on the list of possibilities to land Tom Brady. So we'll, we'll see where all that works out. But I, I just – that's one thing I'm trying to keep my eye on. Those teams behind the Colts who might be sitting there wanting to move up, if you come out right now and say we're going to draft a quarterback – you might as well just hand those guys a trade up. You know, right now you're, you're trying to make it look as best you can. You're keeping all options open. 
That's true. Again, I hope Jim Mercer is a good card player. I have no idea, but I I, I just take him more as truthful. So I would hey, so I, I take him and what he's saying more as him just being honest and just saying, you know what, yeah, maybe we will go veteran market, uh, veteran quarterback uh, this offseason compared to just uh, you know, trying to play coy and trying to kind of mislead other teams, like I said, that maybe could jump the price or maybe jump them uh, when trying to trade up, you know, later on this offseason for sure. Um, I forget which pot it was, George, but I think also you're right. By the way, we discussed, I think it was maybe after the Steelers game, uh, one of the losses, because now they just pile up here and they just all blend together. We highlighted the head coach on the issue. Like I said, Frank Reich, fine. Like when he was fired, I think it's justifiable. I think Frank Reich has had some issues this year for sure. Is he the number one reason why this team stunk this year? I would say no. So I think that's clear as well. Like I said, when we're talking about Jeff Saturday, is the head coach wasn't the issue for the wasn't the number one issue for this team in their struggles. And you see Jeff Saturday, who's supposed to bring this energy, bring this leadership. That didn't really occur. He has not really changed much outside of maybe getting up to a little bit of faster starts and winning one game against Vegas. Otherwise, it's been the same old Colts, no matter if it's Frank Reich or Jeff Saturday. So it's like the head coach is showing you at least if you have two different guys, two different styles, nothing's really changing. It's not really the head coach. Another question I would have for Jim is, do you trust Chris Ballard? Now, we kind of talk about this, right? When you, when you hire Jeff Saturday, it's just, it seems like Jim Mercer this year had, was the ringleader for benching Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger, was the ringleader for obviously firing Frank Reich, was the ringleader for then hiring Jeff Saturday as the interim. Like, he has made all these moves that your GM that you're paying to, to, to make these moves, you're just going over his head and doing the moves and basically acting as a de facto GM, basically being the Jerry Jones of the AFC. It, that to me screams you don't trust Chris Ballard. And if you don't Chris, trust Chris Ballard, why are you bringing him back? And why is he even still employed now? Like, if you're just going to make the moves by yourself, just fire Chris Ballard, get it over with, let him move on, you move on, and then just try to find a new head coach GM combo that works instead of kind of going over his head constantly, making moves and, you know, reducing his role for for a reason that seemingly you don't trust him. I think the corollary to that, my question would be, is Chris Ballard going to have a, a role in, in this head coach search? Uh, that to me is one of the biggest questions of the offseason. Who's making this call? Is it a Jim Irsay search? Is he going to sit down and, and interview the candidates and, and make the ultimate decision? Or is he going to empower his general manager to do it? And if the answer is no, uh, I'm right back in, in what you're saying. Then, then why are you bringing Chris Ballard back? You know, if you're not going to let him do his job, then why is he here? Um, I'm, I'm 100% behind you on that. Um, and, and I think, honestly, that to me is the number one question coming in the offseason. Who is making this call on the head coach? It's I, hopefully it's Chris Ballard or if Chris Ballard's fired, hopefully it's a GM because right now Jim Mercy is showing you his judgment when it comes to football moves. It's not been very good whatsoever. Every move he's made has failed. So that's the for sure. Whether again, when you bring new GM or not, you have to have the GM be making this decision of, of for head coach because otherwise, again, if it's in Jim Mercy's hands, can't trust that it's going to go well. That's for sure. On that note, one last question I would have for Jim Mercy uh, is this, George. How can you convey that you will not be a meddling owner going forward? We've talked about it before. For the, for Jim Mercer's credit, for the most part, he's been out of the way. He's allowed the people he's hired to do the work he's hired them to do. This year, we mentioned it's been totally sideways. It's not been the case. But if you're like, I, I, there's recency bias with everybody. So if you're a prospective head coach, if you're Jim Harbaugh, how, why would you take the job? And how can, at least if you're Jim Mercer, how can you convey to a guy like Jim Harbaugh, I will not get in the way. I will not meddle. I will not force your hand in playing this guy and playing that guy. Because even though it's been the case this year, it's a, how do you just convey it to one-off? That's, I guess, maybe a simpler, more condensed way to ask the question. 
Yeah, you know, and, and I think one of the reasons I think Jim Harbaugh is the one big name who might not, you know, turn this job down without looking into it. Uh, he's got a relationship. He's got a standing relationship with Jim Mercer. He knows him. Uh, he knows him on a personal level. I think he would have more sway than any other head coach that would come in here. Um, obviously, you're, you're going to have, you know, the fresh start and everything. Uh, but I think he's he's been around long enough. He knows how to play the media. He knows, you know, how to to get what he wants. I feel like he's the one guy who might not be concerned about that, the answer to that question in, in the group. Everybody else, if you're coming in here and you're meeting Jim Mercy for the first time, that's going to be the top of your list. You know, it, it, do I get to choose my starting quarterback? Now, you know, in defense of Ursay, to to a little to one degree, it's obvious Jeff Saturday's had that leeway. You know, I mean, we know, or at least we think we know, that Frank Reich was it commanded to to, to bench Matt Ryan the first time. Right. But it's clear that that it was Saturday's call to bring Matt Ryan back, and it's Saturday's call right now for Nick Foles to be the starter. So. You know, I think that's how to answer your question to Jim Mercy. That's how that's how he would probably answer it. You know, by what he's done since. Um, I still think, though, are you empowering your your general manager? And that's going to be as big a part of this. You know, I think the head coach finally has the say that he's supposed to have again. But but does the GM and will he moving forward? And again, I think Harbaugh's the one guy who probably doesn't care much about that uh, simply because he's going to walk in here. And he's going to be given the benefit of the doubt. If things don't go well next year, Jim Harbaugh is not going to get blamed for it. It'll be Chris Ballard if he's still here. It'll be the decisions that Jim Irsay made. You know what I mean? He's going to probably have a honeymoon period that, that a lot of other guys wouldn't have. Uh, so I think I don't know that he would be as concerned. But if you're D'Amico Ryans, for instance, uh, coming from the best organization in the NFL, as we just talked about, that's got to be really heavy on your head. You know, are you going to be able to make the calls? Is the guy that hired you going to be able to make the calls? You know, I, I think that's a big issue this offseason. We'll see how big it is uh, in a couple of weeks here as the coaching search gets started. But that one is, I think, right after the, the Chris Ballard question, the number two question for this offseason is, you know, how much power are the GM and, and head coach going to actually have? I got one more for you to close that, Georgia. Bonus question. It's not for Jim Mercy. It's actually for the fans who win this contest. Whoever does it, it's a Twitter contest for Jim Mercy. My only question is one word. Why? <laughs> Why the hell? Now, on the private jet sick, maybe a New Year's Eve party. It's if you know, once a lifetime experience. Let me tell you, New Year's Day, 1 o'clock, Giants, Colts, no thing. Outdoors. No, Outdoors. I don't know you. what the forecast is, but uh, no, I thought that was funny. I kind of told my wife last night. I said, well, it's nice that he wants to to do a giveaway to make it up to the fans, but how is the prize to watch more Colts football? Like, <laughs> I'm not really sure that that's that's the the makeup that they deserve. Yeah, if anything, I feel like you got to pay them to go at that point. Forget about making a freight. You should pay those fans to go watch some more bad football. Oh boy! Yeah, at least it's warming up here in New York City. It's it's starting to thaw out. I think we're getting the 50s later this week, so it maybe won't be freezing like the deep freeze we had last week. So there's some for you. There's a little you know optimism. You'll be freezing your took us off, watching some more bad Colts football and watching Nick Foles inevitably, I'm sure, turn the ball over at least two more times like the Colts. I've on average I've done every single game so far this season. Oh boy. Two more games to go, George. Speaking of which, we will be back for our preview pod on Friday. We'll preview the Giants game. Uh Colts Giants getting ready here for the final away game of the season. Uh we'll discuss a few other things as well. So make sure you're downloading and subscribing because again, we guess a little. That's a brag. I feel like we our conversations have been fun. There's still a lot to talk about 
even for a team that doesn't give a lot to talk about, at least record-wise in the field. So there's a lot of content coming your way, a lot of draft talk coming your way. So make sure you're downloading and subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you do get your podcasts. We have a lot of good stuff coming your way. So enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk to you on Friday right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.